0: welcome to the otherworldly oracle official podcast a burning hallows production we are your hosts alora and kitty and welcome back to season four today we are traveling all over the globe to explore genus loci of different biomes each place from the desert to the tundra to your backyard has its own spirit and its own magic If you're a lover of travel and want to be a witch on the go, you'll want to stick around to learn the secrets of the land. So grab your cuppa and settle in. All right, kitty. Hello.
1: Hello, hello.
0: I'm ready to do this.
1: I'm, what? I said I'm ready to do this. I got my tea. <laughs> hey, I have my coffee
0: and I'm this is one I'm actually pretty excited for. Definitely. Um, yeah. But I wanted to ask you like before we really get into the topic, do you personally have a particular biome that you would say is especially magical or amplifies your magic greater than anywhere else you've been.
1: Yeah. And I think you and I are probably going to be <laughs> either the same or similar on this. Mm. I definitely love the mountains and any kind of creek that runs through the mountains and the forests. Mm. So, like the Appalachians, of course. <laughs>
0: Right, yes. I
1: feel like you could have predicted that and maybe that's one of yours as well.
0: I yeah. wouldn't say that I necessarily need mountains, like, but any dense forest, I'm there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like the forest is my place.
1: Yes, I'm with you. Mm. So <laughs> you see, seeing as how you are the expert on this- Don't use that word, I am not- <laughs> maybe not expert. You are the witch to ask these questions to, <laughs> as you have written a course. Is that what the course that includes all of?
0: Yeah, it's not finished yet. Uh, it feels oh, like it's it. okay. ever going project. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's look, it's pretty much done. I just need to f- figure out how to publish it um, uh, and do all of the housekeeping there but it's pretty much finished.
1: Yes. Awesome. So why don't you start us off and tell us what is the genius loci?
0: Okay. Well, I, I say genius loci, cause I don't know, maybe I have
1: no idea. <laughs> I looked up the pronunciation today because I didn't want to sound silly to you.
0: So <laughs> no, I just say genius loci. Cause
1: if uh, I'm wrong, I apologize, but I swear to God, I Googled it and listened to a whole thing about it.
0: Okay. Well, historically this has, is used to denote the protective spirit or of a particular place. Um, And in modern Westernized culture, it is used to denote the atmosphere or spirit of place for me. It's the rhythm and character of the nature and magic of a particular location. Right. So Attuning to the genus loci, genius loci, however you want to say it, of a place is particularly important for working magic. We talk about being in alignment with your environment, but I think people often forget that the actual nature that surrounds you is just as important as the people that you share your space with, right? Mm -hmm. So we're all the time like cleansing our house, cleansing, you know, the inner, in the internal spaces. Um, especially like if you get a yucky visitor or, you know, you have a friend come over who is just having some drama and you need to clear out your house once they leave, True, but we don't
1: really talk about
0: the outside
1: space. Yeah. Um, to go back to the pronunciation, let's just say tomato, tomato, (laughs) 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 because I feel like just to cut in on the whole Podcasting thing, we run into pronunciation like differences, discrepancies quite often. Oh, and yeah. I don't think that anyone is necessarily right or wrong because it's also too. If you look these things up, you'll literally get different sources telling you to pronounce them differently. so oh,
0: yes, one hundred. <laughs> just putting that out there.
1: Um, so you're probably right, and you know. But moving on, I agree with everything that you've said. And I think that it's important. And a lot of people, you're right. I think we tend to forget the importance of the environment surrounding our home. Right.
0: Right. Exactly. And this is actually a really old concept um, and dates mm-hmm. back to the earliest animistic belief systems of human beings. Right. Yeah. So yes. there's a lot of reasons for animistic belief systems but we we
1: won't really go into all of that,
0: but this is one of the very important concepts in animism.
1: I agree. And I wanted to just add, to talk about the whole animistic cultures and how people way back in the day were Mm. wholly animistic. A lot of the later gods, pagan gods, supposedly came from, Originally, we like guardian spirits of place, so we're possibly once part of a, a genius loci or loci. Right. So, like for instance, I was reading about the uh, the lairs. I, I guess it's lairs, lares. I don't know, whatever. L a r e s.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, the ancient Romans had these spirits of place called the lairs, and they were basically. Guardians of hearth and home, but they were also guardians of different places. They could actually be a a guardian spirit of a whole community. Right. And um, then I was reading, it was kind of funny. There's so many different kinds of layers that there were layers for rivers, pigs, (laughs) for the for for Rome, the city itself, for the crossroads, for seafarers, roads, fields, all kinds of different ones. And in addition, I thought it was interesting that. Venus is actually thought to have once been a spirit of place mm, Yeah, and some other ones as well. And also even some spirits of the home and the hearth, like the kobold, which we're going to be discussing in a few weeks during our household fairy episode, they were even, they're even thought to be uh, spirits of place prior to becoming fae, basically.
0: Yeah, which this whole concept is very interesting because I also Mm -hmm. believe that when Christianity came along, Mm -hmm. I think that spirits of place, a lot of them were turned into saints or at least a component of particular Christian saints Yeah, had to do with the spirit of place. Mm. Because if you think about it, like there's a saint for everything.
1: Yeah. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. There's a saint for everything and there's a layer for everything, apparently. Yeah. Er- everything <laughs> and everywhere. <laughs> yeah. So does that sum up the history? I mean, in a nutshell, you will also find that genus loci
0: changes with the seasons, right? So yeah. the mountains are certainly different in the winter than they are in the spring. Yeah, definitely. Example. And I think that you'll find that in different biomes, you can work seasonal magic. That's also related to that particular biome.
1: Hmm, Yeah.
0: Which it it just adds another layer. I feel like of complexity to magic. Yeah, definitely. And there's a lot of things that we're going to actually talk about in more depth, like biosecurity and, uh, like what I like to call craft shock and things like that as we go along. So cool. And, and while we're on the history, I mean, like I said, genus loci was used for a wide variety of reasons spiritually. And a lot of it fed into taboos being created for land preservation. Right. So it was kind of a cyclical belief system. So taboos were created, which then had to do with, um, keeping the genus loci happy, essentially, and living
1: in a state of mutual reciprocity with the land. Which we wholly do not do nowadays. Right. As a species, I mean. (laughs) Right. Correct.
0: And this is a little bit different than when you get into uh, like hard polytheism, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's, so when you get into hard polytheism, there's this belief that, uh, that particular deity rules over something instead of is part of it, but it really depends on the really depends on the pantheon too, as well.
1: Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I can see that I'm definitely polytheist. I don't, I mean, I think there's probably levels to that, you know? Right,
0: right. Exactly
1: because I could even say I'm a hard polytheist, but I don't know, like there's some flexibility there. I don't know.
0: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. But, uh, this was definitely pre this was even pre pagan belief. Yeah. Right. So this is very, this is very primal animism for sure. Yeah.
1: And, and that's why I think too, like what you said with the saints and then also with the pagan gods that came honestly later on down the line, they arose from spirits of place long, long time ago. Do you think that all of them did? Because I, no, uh, no, I don't think I think there's, there's certain ones that yes, you know, but not all of them.
0: Yeah. And I think, and I've seen it more prominent in certain pantheons than others. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it does. Okay. So Shall are it- you going to tell us what, what can affect the genius loci?
0: Okay. So if you think of a, a genius loci as a spirit, right? Mm-hmm. A, a living, well, a living, breathing thing. Mm -hmm. it can be affected by a wide variety of stuff. So that includes like flora and fauna. So the plants and animals that inhabit a biome or leave a biome add to or subtract from that energy. Yeah. Right. So as an example, lions on the Serengeti, like if you went there, there would probably be, you know, like an aggressive feel to the land where they are residing, but if you were, yeah. And then if you were to go where the antelope are residing on the same, in the same biome, you might feel a more passive energy in that space.
1: Yeah. Where the deer and the antelope play.
0: (laughs) Oh my God. You just did not
1: (laughs) home, home on the range. I don't know why that song popped in my head. I said Serengeti, not I know, but I just heard antelope. My mind went there. Uh,
0: Good Lord. (laughs) All right. Mm. As I said before, seasons as well, Yes. right? So genus loci is very different from summer to winter, just like we are with our practice. So you may be very active in summer and very um, still in winter, vice versa, Mm. depending on
1: where you are. I'll just tell you, I feel like after the holidays are over, I am not a winter person. (laughs) I don't think anyone is. I don't do well in winter, honestly, like just all around. It's just not good. (laughs) Well,
0: you know, like let's talk about a forest in spring versus Mm -hmm. a forest in, in, you know, autumn or winter. Yeah. So in, in spring, it's very much alive. Like everything is blooming. There are babies being born. I love the spring. All, right. There's all kinds of copulation happening <laughs> there.
1: I mean, I don't know if that's buzzing. why I love it, but
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. just buzzing right mm-hmm. in the spring. And then when autumn comes, everything's starting to quiet down. Yeah. Things are starting to die animals are starting to go into hibernation, uh, or gather things, Gathering nuts.
1: Yeah. Little squirrels gathering their nuts. (laughs) I agree. Yeah. I mean, we're kind of like that, right? I mean, if you're in tune to your genius loci, then you're probably in tune to the seasons as well.
0: Right. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. Human beings. Oh, right. (laughs) (laughs) also affect (laughs) its genus loci. So the way that we live, our living habits, Mm -hmm. our spirits, our emotions, uh, all of this can affect the genus loci. So a desert where the North American indigenous were slaughtered feels very different to a part of the desert where they were not. So those emotions Are residual, and I think that land. I, I mean, I know, I know that land holds memory. I agree. That's why. I mean, that's why. So I grew up. You know, I grew up in Southeast Virginia, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and let me tell you, there was a lot of Civil War battles down there, and also American Revolution battles down there. Yes, I think it's pretty similar to where you're from. I was. And I don't know. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: yeah, Yeah, I don't know about you, but some of those places are so depressing and so traumatized.
1: You don't even want to
0: stay in there.
1: Yeah. I I always wondered back in the day, I was wondering like, why does it feel so gloomy and depressing here? And Mm. not to mention it's the season, obviously, because it was always like winter where I got the most depressed, but it's (laughs) just that area because I think, yeah, you've had like especially where, where I was born and raised as well, there was you know like the English coming onto the shore, and so there was revolutionary battles and the Civil War as well, and you know just a lot of impressions, I guess, on the land, right? Yeah, right, exactly. So and that affects you, and and then your emotions feed into the land. It's like a whole cycle, like
0: right, exactly. Interesting. Yes. And last but not least natural disasters things like tornadoes dust storms hurricanes volcanoes all of these things change the landscape by creation through destruction
1: yeah so uh forest fires right bushfire yeah which we have a lot here in australia what is that bushfire yeah bushfires (laughs) It's kind of like a forest fire, but it, instead it's bushes. I
0: don't really know why they call it the bush. Probably because the <laughs> trees are not as tall. as
1: Okay. Well, <laughs> uh,
0: I look where I live. The trees are sad. Like there's no, <laughs> they don't really get, they don't really get big. I'm always sad whenever we try to go into nature and I'm just like, mm, this is not, this is not what I signed up for.
1: Yeah. I was going to say, I I'm wondering if maybe we'll get into this too, but I'm wondering if that's difficult for you being in that biome. Oh yes. Yeah.
0: I have had many discussions <laughs> about how, how difficult it is. This is definitely a biome for someone who is beach oriented, right? right. Cause there, right. there are some gorgeous beaches mm-hmm. here. Um, gorgeous waters. I mean, we're on the Indian ocean, but for somebody like me, it's difficult because it's kind of a cross between, and I say this all the time, it's kind of a cross between the, the Arizona desert yeah, and yeah. South Carolina. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's real weird.
1: <laughs> yeah. And you know, I keep hoping, cause I know that you've mentioned this before and I keep hoping every episode, this comes up that you're going to be like, I've totally connected. And I found. <laughs> yeah well I'm trying though I mean I get it I get it I'm not near any mountains and I feel like that's my place you know Mm. yeah
0: but my hubby is a total beach biome
1: oh my spirit person they would get oh
0: yeah (laughs) yeah so for him it's great it's just I'm like oh can we please find a forest and we
1: try but every time we try it's just like um, uh. <laughs> okay. So here's the plan when we are old. Okay. I'm getting and, there already. <laughs> and, uh, well, very old and the husbands are no more. Sorry guys. <laughs> Naturally, of course. Um, you can come and live with me in a cabin in the woods, in the mountains somewhere. <laughs>
0: Sweet. You know, it'll be like that house that I saw in a meme where like you have two houses that are connected by a walkway. Oh, perfect.
1: I love that idea. So then I can be like, you need to go. (laughs) I need my introvert time. (laughs) I'm the same way. Trust me. I love being by myself. So we can be by ourselves together. (laughs) Yeah. See, (laughs) Uh, we'll be the witches in the wood up on the hill. Yeah. Which is in the woods. Yeah, I run that too. Oh, yeah. That's right. <laughs> <Anyway>. <laughs> I did not do that on purpose. Uh, that was hilarious. Okay. So what is this biosecurity thing? Because it sounds like I'm gonna put like an ADT sign up <laughs> outside well, of my house.
0: Biosecurity is really something that I never really thought about until I started traveling internationally. Mm-hmm. Because when I came into Australia, there is a whole list of things you cannot bring here. And most of them, I mean, aside from the custom stuff, I'm talking
1: the right. biosecurity stuff. Oh, it's all organic materials, right? So, so this is different. This is like separate from customs or like it adds on it's, or
0: it's part of it. Hmm. Um, it, it. It's like added to the list. But the reason why these things are listed is for biosecurity reasons. Mm -hmm. Um, You can't even like if you were eating a peanut butter sandwich that you brought with you on the flight, you cannot get off the plane with it. It has to
1: go directly in the garbage. Wow. They're pretty strict down there, huh? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So this is like, okay. now I'm trying. Now I'm understanding this is this is their attempt to protect. The, right. The biome or what have you from being altered in any way, like negatively.
0: Right. Exactly. Gotcha. So okay. each country has their own biosecurity regulations that determine what organic materials can be brought into the country or into the state. Um, this is so the natural balance of the area isn't disturbed. Mm -hmm. But it's also to prevent diseases to not only humans, but also plants and animals. Right. Um, So it's actually really interesting because once I was introduced to this concept, I I started Googling and I found out that each state in the U.S. and a lot of cities and regions even have their own biosecurity regulations, Hmm. which I was like, well, how come nobody knows (laughs) about these? Yeah, really. So uh before anybody attempts to do magic in a new location that you've never been to before, I would highly recommend researching that particular place's biosecurity regulations because you never know like sage could be banned uh in that area mm-hmm. both the living plant and the dried plant because Uh, dropping it on the ground could cause a rare disease in another plant or death of a particular species of squirrel. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I wonder if this has to do with, I'm sure like invasive species, like play into this whole thing as well. hmm. Cause like, you know, if you, bring a ship into port and it has like a specific kind of toad and then the toad gets off the ship and then that toad starts eating all the other toads in that biome, then you can have a problem kind of thing. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I say that because that's actually happening here. We have like some invasive toads that are eating the other toads and people will tell you it's terrible. They'll be like, if you see this type of toad, kill it. And I'm like, I don't know that I can just do that, but okay. I get it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Because if you bring the wrong thing into a biome and it mm-hmm. causes a, a pathogen of some sort to spread, right. You could be losing an entire species of tree or animal or what have you. And it's kind of funny because I just had my, all of the contents of my old apartment in the U S shipped over here
1: Oh, yes. to some Australia Christmas.
0: and we had to fumigate the shipment before it left the
1: U S for a particular kind of beetle. Oh, so it's, Ooh, that, that grossed me out. And I mean, I don't, I don't know, for some reason, I just gulped really hard and I was like, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> beetles. Interesting. Yeah, so then and- when, when it got there, did, did it, was, did you have to do more to it?
0: Mm -hmm. No. And the reason why was because we fumigated it before it left. Oh, well, that's good. Okay. Because they have real, and it's really, really strict. Like you can't bring in anything that's wood, anything that's animal bones, anything that's uh, like, just think of an organic material and it's probably not allowed here. (laughs) The only cases where that's different is if it's something that's manufactured and it's completely sealed.
1: Hmm.
0: Interesting. Yeah. And even then, it's like a case-by-case basis. What about
1: if you're wearing organic clothing?
0: Do they make you strip before you come in? (laughs) No, No, I'm pretty sure that's
1: fine. All right. But they do
0: go through all your stuff. Wow. Whether you ship it over here or whether you're getting off the plane, uh, that's, you know, aside from the other stuff, that's part of customs, right? The, yeah. the biosecurity stuff, that's part of why they're x-raying your bags and they're searching you and making you put like, you know, all of your stuff up for customs to check because, you know, you might innocently bring in a bag of peanuts that you've got open and, and not know that that's not
1: legal. Wow. This is intense. (laughs) So with that, with that, we'll be right back, folks. This episode has been brought to you by Spirit Nest. Spirit Nest offers a wide selection of enchanted, high-quality, natural, and affordable beauty and skincare lines, altar provisions alongside original artwork printed on clothing, home decor items, in addition to hand-picked quality lifestyle items. Spirit Nest is a warm nest for free-spirited individuals from all paths of spiritual practices, walks of life, and lifestyles, pagans, Wiccan, witches, hippies, moon children, crystal lovers, healers empaths, the list goes on. Visit them at spiritnest.com. And to grab your 10% discount, make sure you put in Oracle 10 upon checkout. So Alora. Yes. Do you believe that certain kinds of magic are better suited to certain environments or biomes? Yeah.
0: So we're going to go through some of the main biomes here in a second and get a Yay. taste of what, of what that might mean. Uh, but I want to just say, look, these are nowhere near cemented and will change depending upon the person. So Anything that we talk about here is just a primer or a starting point for people to get creative and try things out. These are the things that speak to me personally. Uh, And so, yeah, we'll just see what you guys think.
1: Yeah. Let's get into the tasty biomes. Okay. So let's start with your favorite mountains. Yeah. Hello.
0: So how do, okay. So how do mountains
1: make you feel when you get there? Ah, like home. I don't know. It's (laughs) comforting, but it's also draws a sense of wonder. Right. Yeah. Like I want to go explore whatever's out there, but I'm also at peace. I don't know.
0: (sighs) Yeah, no. So for me, when I get to mountains, I feel like this sense of ancestral magic,
1: mm-hmm.
0: like beckoning me, mm-hmm. very folk oriented for me and very like an ancient knowing. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah. That like your sense. home. Right. Yeah. Well, like a soul, there's a word for it too. I feel like it's a Gaelic word and I don't remember what the word is. Maybe <laughs> it's Welsh, but there's actually a word for it when your soul feels like it's come home. Mm. And I wish I knew what that was right now. Cause it would be perfect. But anyway, and I think <laughs> of all, well, and I think of all the
0: biomes that exist. Mountains are probably the most permanent biome that exists Mm, mm -hmm. because although they can be changed by the weather right they still are unmovable
1: true so they are the bosoms of mother earth bosoms (laughs) (laughs) oh lord (laughs) maybe that's why they're so comfy (laughs) <laughs> oh boy <laughs> so oh <what>? my god
0: <laughs> that's gonna be a shirt people and what
1: the, the, the mother earth <laughs> go, find,
0: go find some bosoms
1: and then like have not <laughs> uh, I love it what mountains have you been to? What, what are your favorite mountains? So I grew up near the Shenandoah mm-hmm.
0: mountain range, loved them growing up. My, my auntie actually lived there all of my childhood. So we would go there quite often.
1: I've been there. Yeah. There's
0: it was, it was only a three hour drive.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So awesome. um, the Shenandoah mountains, also the smoky mountains. I've lived there. Yeah. Smoky and mountains are beautiful. scary to me. Really? Yeah. And the reason why is because they're so dense. Mm-hmm. Like I love dense forests, but the Smoky mountains are, are such dense forest that, and trust me, the wildlife is alive and active and there are black bears
1: there. And so it's a tiny bit scary. I, I actually love the Smokies. I've been there a few times. Yeah. But I know what you're saying. It is it's yeah. Yeah. It's Cause I've lived in
0: I lived in um, Smoky Mountain National Park when in my early 20s. And you lived I loved in it. the park? Yes.
1: How do you do that? Are
0: you okay? Are you okay? <laughs>
1: <laughs> How do you do that?
0: Um, so my pops was a superintendent for the National Park Service.
1: Oh, okay. That would make sense. Yeah. So he was the head honcho of that park. <laughs> That's awesome. I am so jealous right now.
0: Oh yeah. He, he worked in a lot of awesome places.
1: That's he always
0: wanted to work in Yosemite, but he never got the shot. Uh, but anyways, moving yeah. on. Yeah. Um, and I also have been to the white mountains in Arizona used to live there as well, which the white mountains is they're fascinating because when, you, when people think of Arizona, they think desert, they think hot, they think no, <laughs> But when you get up into the white mountains, you have four seasons. You do get a lot of snow in the
1: winter. It's not just hot desert. (laughs) Oh yeah. I actually, I've I've been all over Arizona. I prefer Northern Arizona to the Southern. Mm, Yeah. And it's,
0: so it's not Northern Arizona. It's about an hour and a half from Flagstaff, this place.
1: When I say Northern, I mean, anything that's not Tucson Sonora like Sonoran desert, right? <laughs> uh, no, 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 no. So
0: the white mountains from Phoenix mm-hmm. is about a four hour drive North. Yeah. The white mountains don't creep me out as much as the smoky mountains do. And again, it could also be, remember we were talking about Le- the mem- memory of the land or the memory of the genus loci. Mm-hmm. It could also be because there was a lot of battles there.
1: Mm. Yeah. Is,
0: wh- is part of why it c- creeps me out. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. There were other things that happened in the White Mountains that were crappy, but the portion that I lived in <laughs> was fine. <laughs> gotcha. What mountains have you been to? You've been to the Appalachians.
1: I've been to a lot of mountains in the U.S. Um- my grandparents took me traveling when I was younger, like in a camper. So I've been to like 35 States. Mm. So yeah, Appalachians for sure. Many times Rocky mountains, at least five times, probably maybe more. Um, Mm. I've skied like in uh, Breckenridge and I love that area. Colorado is gorgeous. Oh yeah. I've
0: been to the Rocky mountains, but it was only like overnight. So I guess I didn't, count it. I spent, I spent a night in Denver once upon a time.
1: I don't know. Maybe just the only ones that are coming to mind are Appalachians and and the Rockies. I've been to Glacier in Montana. And I think that is the last stretch of the Rockies to the North, like where the, where the border, you know, the border is of Montana goes into Canada. So it's gorgeous up there too. So Uh,
0: some ways that you can connect with the genus loci is to hike a trail or do a ritual on the mountaintop. Or specifically for me, it's about, when I go to the mountains, it's about ancestral magic. I don't know why it's just the rhythm of the genus loci. When I tap in
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Uh, wild crafting from the mountains is amaze balls. <laughs> well, it is yes, because there's so there are so many plants that exist there that don't exist in other places, right? Yeah, yeah, and so I mean, there's a bunch of things you can do to connect with the genus loci. Another thing that I recommend too, and this is specific for the mountains, but You can apply it to other biomes as well. Mm -hmm. Keeping a wildlife photo or art journal is really helpful, especially if you plan to return to that particular biome, because that way you kind of are starting to make yourself an encyclopedia of, okay, these creatures and plants exist here. What can I, how can I use them for magical purposes? What can I call on?
1: Yeah. I I just, um, exactly. I keep something like that, but I don't, I don't draw or like take pictures. I just kind of write everything out, I guess.
0: Right. Yeah. Journal. Like, I mean, you don't have to look if you're not an artsy person, it's fine. Just write it out.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I'm artsy in other ways. If if I actually try to draw an animal, it's just going to be like, (laughs) it's going to be a hot mess. It's just going to be a stick figure. (laughs) Basically with like a smiley face it, it, it's atrocious i'm not good at drawing <laughs>
0: well one of the well one of the reasons though the ancestral magic to like really calls to me in the mountain area is because it's the ancestors of humanity because once upon a time we were all what
1: babies, And this
0: <laughs> cave dwelling yes And usually
1: you find caves near mountains. I I think I just had, when I did that, a shamanic journeying session, I, there was a part where I went through a cave in the mountains. So that makes, yeah, that is as far as
0: my person, when I said, I don't know why ancestral magic calls to me in the mountains. I meant like my own ancestral lines. Uh, I'm not real sure (laughs) why, but I got you over Overarch- overarchingly yeah once upon a time human beings were cave dwelling peoples
1: well if i could just add to what you were saying you don't know why with the mountains and your ancestors i read no, something huh <laughs> i can't add anything to that i'm just kidding because you're like if i can like oh i'm like okay fine you don't gotta hear them <laughs> it was about you but never mind no go on Um, I read recently how at one point, I guess, when all the continents were joined, that yes, that the mountain range in Scotland, I don't know what it's called. Forgive me, people would have been an alignment or the same mountain range as the Appalachians. (gasps) No. Yeah freaky. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's that why I'm drawn be- to the Appalachians as well. I mean, it just, it it makes sense, right?
0: Yeah. Except well, except my people were lowlanders. So I don't know.
1: Oh crap. Mine too. Never mind. That doesn't work. <laughs> 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 well, no, I we- mean, they could have seen them out. Like people still traveled back then.
0: True. True. <laughs> could have lived at the bottom of them.
1: Yeah. I don't know oh boy that's true yeah because our people came from the same area of scotland so okay all right we'll squash that theory for now put a so let's in move it. on to beaches, beaches
0: beaches <laughs> how do you feel at the beach
1: i definitely feel relaxed at the beach mm. i always have a good time at the beach I have tried to love the beach, like make it feel <laughs> like I feel on the mountains, and I just can't.
0: Uh, I'm right there with you it's in everything not,
1: I, you just said. Yeah. It's, I do, I love it. Yes, I love it. Like, I, I think it's beautiful. There's a lot of, um, you're going to go into the healing aspects of beaches and all that, but I just can't, I can't force myself to feel this way about beaches as I do about mountains, you know?
0: For me, like, <laughs> Look, this might be an OCD trait or whatever, but it's the sand for me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't like sand in my crack. Oh, I don't, the sand doesn't bother me. That's funny.
0: Yeah. So beaches actually have been scientifically proven to be healing through ionic composition between mm-hmm. the sand and the surf, yeah. oddly enough, which is why, like when you get to the beach, you have that like moment where you're like, <gasps> And you're just like relaxed, calm, no anxiety.
1: (laughs) I always wondered like, who was the first person to, to, or first people to go, let's all just lay down on the beach right here. And we'll make it a thing. We'll come back every year to the same spot. We're just going to lay here like beached whales, (laughs) you know, if you ever, I don't know if your mind works like that, but sometimes I look around like, why are we doing this? Who started this?
0: (laughs) It's hilarious.
1: (laughs) Someone started that, you know, it's a thing. Now everybody goes to the beach, you lay down, right. Or you swim or whatever. But the whole point is that you go to relax, right?
0: Right. Exactly. Yeah. And the element of water is associated most, uh, especially with healing Mm -hmm. qualities. You're in front of probably the biggest healing
1: water you can be in front of. Yeah. It's very large. It is. It it isn't. If I have to say that anything, any biome scares me, it's definitely the ocean.
0: Oh, well, yes. But that's because of what lives in the ocean and no offense to them. That's their home. But I, I just don't think that I have any business
1: <laughs> yeah, in there. It's that for me, but it's also just the grandness of it and, and the depth and not oh, yeah. knowing. I'm, and I don't know. Yeah. I don't know.
0: any. I don't go in any water that I can't touch the bottom.
1: Nope. I've been getting better about it because my husband is such a water person, but the scuba diving did not happen for me. And I don't know if it ever will. So.
0: <laughs> well, I personally cannot scuba dive because of my heart condition. So um, I'm not really that
1: sad. <laughs> I, I Trust me, it's nope, no. no, no. And and like my husband's like, "Don't you want to go down there and explore?" And I'm like, not really.
0: <laughs> I'm oh, sure I tried beautiful,
1: snorkeling. but no thanks. I tried to go snorkeling once and that ended horribly. I can do that. I can do that. That's about that's that's but it's it's not, you know, took a little uh coaxing and positive affirmations. <laughs> well, needless to say, yeah. I think
0: that beaches and natural waterfronts are great for healing rituals, yes. healing magic. And that doesn't just, and when I say healing, I mean, spiritual healing, mm-hmm. emotional healing, etc. cetera.
1: Yes. Also and- great for hangovers. <laughs> yeah, that's true too. I don't know why that just is.
0: So some things that you can do to connect with the rhythm of this biome would be to perform an early morning or a late evening gratitude ritual, Uh, go whale or dolphin watching, go on a river or lake adventure, like with canoeing or whitewater rafting or anything like that. Collecting sand shells, dirt, silt, ocean water to use later. Shark's teeth.
1: Sharks teeth. Yeah. stones, Those things too. <laughs> Cause I this, noticed this so though long. that you did not put the Gulf of Mexico on this list.
0: Oh well, did I? Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> There's like 15 other places though. It's okay.
1: Yeah. We could erase some of these. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so now Where let's go next.
0: About the forest and wilderness. Oh, Ooh,
1: I'm excited about this one.
0: Okay, so when you go into the forest slash wilderness, how do you feel? Not mountains, just forest.
1: So not a forest in the mountains, just like a forest. It's like a regular old forest. (laughs) I feel, again, it's like I want to explore. I want to go walk through the trees. I want to see what I can find. I want to commune with the I don't know, elementals and wildlife. Yeah. I played a lot. I think in the forest when I was a kid being in in Maryland and me and my brothers, we played a lot in the forest and in the Creek that was in the forest. And I just always, I just always loved it.
0: Yeah. Well, I think the key word that you said that perked my ears up was commune because when I go into a forest, that's exactly like I think it's probably the easiest biome for me to immediately tap into Mm
1: -hmm. uh,
0: and just feel like I get that sense of home from going to a forest. Yeah. And I think that the forest biome in particular is one that reverts human beings back to a state of simplicity Mm. where we can observe the cycles of life. Yes. Right. So whether it's the cycles of birth and death or, um, action and stillness, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I see the forest as a place of deep observation of cycles.
1: And too, it's always like, if, even if you walk the same path in the forest every day at the same time, you'll always see something different. Mhm. Does that make sense? Like there even if it's something really small, but if you're open to it, you'll notice mm-hmm. that there's always something new going on. Yes. Exactly.
0: Some things you can do to connect to the forest mm-hmm. would be go camping in the forest mm-hmm. for sure. Have a fire if if there's no fire restrictions in your area mm-hmm. and cry with the flames and the coals. You can also, this is the forest for me. There's no better spot to call on the fae. Oh yeah, uh, definitely. I don't <laughs> even know that
1: you have to call on them. Like I know. sometimes they're just there. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. You take a picture but, and you're like, what is that? <laughs> like, yeah, those are some
0: things that you can do and mm-hmm. definitely turn off all, like, don't take your
1: laptop
0: leave your phone on airplane mode. Like this is not the place for any electronics.
1: Oh, I do take pictures. I'm not going to lie, but otherwise <laughs> I, I leave everything. To well, yeah, side.
0: but you know what I mean? Like, well, yeah, you shouldn't be
1: like scrolling through Facebook or something.
0: <laughs> <laughs> One of the biggest types of magic to do actually in the forest is just a simple offering in meditation. mm right? Because this is the place where we can acquire a lot of natural gifts. And by that, I mean like dirt, soils, plants, you know, all, all of that stuff. But we also need to leave an offering to say thank you yeah, and experience that reciprocity that our ancient ancestors did.
1: I agree. And if I could add to that, the last time that I was in my happy place in Blue Ridge, what I did was just took a stick and drew some symbols in the mud, like by the creek side where the forest meets the creek as Mm. sort of like an offering, like to say, thank you. Yeah. So I wasn't really leaving anything, you know, and I wasn't disturbing anything, but that's what I felt drawn to do. So
0: yeah. Like I said before, these are all just jumping off points, um, to get creative in a particular biome, but I do want to say, I don't, um, I feel kind of silly saying this, but do not eat or touch anything that you don't know what it is.
1: <laughs> don't eat it. Yeah. Really? Oh yeah. You know what I mean,
0: like well, berries that you don't know what they are. Don't eat them, man. We you could be eating.
1: Yeah. belladonna. I, exactly. Well, it, it's funny too. When, um, we traveled to Costa Rica uh, last year and on the beach, they had these huge trees with these big, like, I don't know, they weren't coconuts. they were some, some other kind of fruit that grows down there. And there was a sign on the tree that was like, please do not eat the such and such fruit. It is poisonous and it will kill you. <laughs> Jeez. So I'm like laughing. Cause I'm like, Somebody freaking did that. Like they had to put this sign up. It probably happened multiple times. hmm.
0: That's what that's, yeah. So, I, think, I think that's a mistake people innocently and naively just make because they're like, oh, it's a berry. It's edible.
1: No, 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 no. <laughs> uh uh-uh. uh. Doesn't work that way. Uh, that's funny. <laughs> all right. Don't eat Last- the death fruit. well
0: last but not least we have the desert
1: yeah okay so how do you feel about the desert i feel that people who live in the desert and who can make magic in the desert are very special strong individuals Mm. because it's not for me (laughs) but i do think that there's like a i feel like the the biome there, including like the flora and the fauna, as you call them, have to be like expert survivalists, right? They've had to, I don't know, like out-survive some of the other things that didn't make it, right? Because yes, the exactly. conditions are so intense.
0: Yeah, definitely. I have lived in the desert, sort of. Uh- <laughs> not me. You
1: uh, <laughs> what? I said, not me. <laughs> so <laughs> well- I applaud you.
0: Although I lived in the White Mountains, I also lived nearer to Phoenix in a more desert environment Mm -hmm. as well. And here in Australia, if you drive an hour into the center of the country, you're in the desert. Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) Pretty much.
0: It's hot. It's friggin' hot. Right.
1: (laughs) Your skin like just cracks immediately upon entering the desert space.
0: <laughs> but I think deserts give a unique opportunity to humans to embrace fire in a completely non-literal yet literal way, if that makes sense. So yes, it's not actually on fire, but you feel like you're on fire and fire is known to be cleansing. Mm-hmm. So I feel like going to the desert is appropriate when you need to do shadow work and burn things away. Yeah. Definitely. And many like a lot of the desert fauna are nocturnal and burrowing. True. So in the daytime when you go to the desert it's pretty still and quiet mm-hmm. but There is a whole lot of activity happening underneath your feet that you may not be aware
1: of (laughs) like tarantulas. Yeah.
0: And it's kind of the desert kind of shows the tipping point Mm
1: -hmm.
0: or if you had life and death on a scale, the desert would be the center of the scale essentially, because as you said, the, the, stress of the intensity of the environment Mm -hmm. is palpable. Like it could only take one or two days of wrong decisions for you to end up dead.
1: Yeah, no doubt. Gotta be strong to live there. I always wondered too, like people that settled out West, they got all the way out to the desert, let's say in, in Arizona, for instance, and what did they just go well, I don't think it's going to get any better than this. So we're going to settle here where there's no water. (laughs) Well, also
0: (laughs) another thing that you can learn from the desert is conservation of resources, right? Because in order to survive, you have to know what resources to save and conserve and when to use them and et cetera. I think that that's a really important lesson for human beings as well. This is also a great biome to do uh, any type of journeying work Mm -mm. because it is a, I think that the
1: desert is really a very liminal space. Yes. Because when you go there, you're on the brink of death, right? (laughs) I was laughing, but I agree with you. You're right.
0: Well, no, I mean, (laughs) (laughs) I thought you meant metaphorically, but I mean, (laughs) metaphorically, like it is this, it is the space where if you're not a survivalist, you won't survive. Yeah. So it's that in-between space between living and dying. And so any type of journeying work, whether it's shamanic journeying or spirit possession or what have you, um, using flying ointments is great out in the desert.
1: Hmm.
0: I will take your
1: word on that. Maybe one day Mm -hmm. I will journey to the desert. We'll see.
0: Okay. But if you do that, just make sure you take somebody with you. Don't ever do that by yourself.
1: Oh, I mean like, no, I meant like, wait, are we talking about the same thing? I'm not talking like physically traveling. I'm talking like visionary.
0: Oh, (laughs) no, I'm an actual, actual going to the
1: desert. Oh girl. I'm not going by myself. I'm taking somebody if I'm going out there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I would classify the desert as uh the liminal space that's razor thin
1: Mm -hmm.
0: between life and death for sure it's like the
1: balance beam definitely so so yeah so this topic this was very informative
0: yay I love this topic too like this is something that I've worked on for a very long long time probably the whole of my practice I'd say I love what you've come up with Truly. Uh, And I will say one other thing before we wrap this up, because we have gone severely over time, Eh, (laughs) but uh, there is such a thing as craft shock. What I mean by that is it can be very unsettling for a magical practitioner to uh, leave their home and go work magic somewhere else Mm. because you are in your comfort zone with a particular place. You're in that genus loci's rhythm You have all of your specific tools and what have you for working there. But when you start taking your magic other places, you have to get over that essentially.
1: It's probably hard that you like your environment makes an impression on you just as you make an impression on it. And then you have to up and change. And yeah, I could see how that would be shocking.
0: Yeah. And it's. It's basically like you're losing an energy, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. So you're shedding an energy. And so it can be very disorienting.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. It can be very jarring. And adaptation is your best friend. (laughs) Learning as much as you can about where you're going helps a lot. Um, And when I say learning as much as you can, I mean about I'm talking about the land itself. Oh yeah. So learning in a history of where you're going, uh, learning the type of weather, environment, seasons, types of flora and fauna that may live there, Mm -hmm. et cetera. Um, and each place that you travel to or go to or move to has its own rules as far as what you can and can't use or what does and doesn't exist naturally within the environment. And that's why research is super important.
1: Yeah. I agree. So, so thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> this is fun. I I love this topic. I don't feel like it's talked about enough.
0: I know. Like I said, I mean, we're very focused on the inside of our homes, mm-hmm. but when it comes to the outside of our homes, we kind of can get forgetful or lost or distracted.
1: Yeah. I think it depends on the person too. Because for me, I am very home base but but as soon as I get in the right mindset and the right biome as you call it then I I feel magical as well.
0: All right. Well I think we can wrap it up.
1: Okay. We'd like to thank our listeners for your support whether you're new or returning grant some of your magical energy to your witchy sisters subscribe to and review the otherworldly oracle official podcast. Be sure to check out Alora's website at alorareign.com for tarot readings, numerology, and soul origin profiles. If you're looking for a witchy show on the racier side, subscribe to our shadow podcast, Mamir's Well, now on your preferred podcast app. And remember, whether you're in the land of the fae or the land of the ancestors, stay otherworldly.